Good morning, ladies. I hope the first session was good for you guys. Yes? Refreshing? Yeah? Okay, well, you are in the workshop Trusting in God uh, in Good Times and Bad Times, so make sure you're in the right place. Um, the kind of questions we're going to be hitting on this morning is how can I trust God? What does trusting look like? And can I trust long-term and not just short-term? Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. Um, we're going to, um, I'll introduce to you who's going to be speaking this morning, and then we'll have a short time of question and answers towards the end. And so if you've got questions about this, um, this subject, um, I said it to most of you earlier, but write it down on that white card. If you don't have a white card, raise your hand. Emily will get you one. She's coming around right here, so she'll get to your section, ladies. Once you've written a question, just at any point, you can feel free to kind of put that up. And Emily will come around and pick it up and get it to me. You, the speakers know that you're raising your hand does not mean you're raising your hand to ask a question. We'll just get the card to Emily, okay? Let's open in prayer, and then I'm going to introduce our first speaker. Thanks, God, so much uh, for this church. Thank you for the body of people that you've brought together here, Lord God, in your presence. God, I just pray that you would <clears throat> excuse me, speak your heart to each and every one of us today. God, help us to learn who you are so that we can trust you in the highs and the lows and everything in between. God, we surrender this time to you, and we open our hearts to what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to introduce to you Janice Jackson. She's going to come and share her story this morning. Well, good morning, ladies. I think I'm going to piggyback off of Carissa since she piggybacked off of Carrie. And she's not as funny as Carrie. Well, I'm not as funny as either one of the two of them. So <laughs> I want to jump in right away to a uh, story that I'm going to share this morning about what I would call trusting God through transition. And I'm going to tell the story first and then tell you what I learned while I went through this process. I had actually spent 39 years working in the title insurance industry. About four years after I was first hired, the company I was working for was sold to an individual, and my job was retained, and I worked for this individual for the next 27 years, and I really felt that I had God's favor on my work life. I was an officer of the company in charge of all of the accounting for our offices. I was part of the management team, and I also held a position on the board of directors for the company. I knew that towards the end of that time, my boss was looking at wanting to sell the company to our title insurance underwriter so he could retire. And on several occasions, he pursued negotiations with the underwriter, but each time no deal was made because it just wasn't financially right for him. In 2005, he started negotiations again for the sale, and this time I just knew that it was going to happen. I also knew that whenever he sold the company, I would no longer be employed as all accounting was done in their corporate regional offices. I vividly remember being in my boss's office one morning discussing the sale, and he told me that I wouldn't have a job once the deal was closed. You know, I already knew that in my spirit, but hearing those words was just devastating. I knew if I left to go to lunch that day, I probably wouldn't be able to come back to work that afternoon. Going through the process of the company being sold was one of the most challenging things I have gone through. There were so many extra hours put in in order to help put the deal together and so many emotions that kept surfacing that had to be dealt with. God gave me the strength to do what needed to be done. 
I never felt that he was telling me to leave before the sale was completed or my job was finished. I trusted that he would provide and take care of me. On the day of the sale, I was called in to talk with the regional manager that had come in to sign the documents. He looked me straight in the eye and said, we would like you to stay for an additional 60 days so you can finish the transition process of payroll and financials, and then we'll see. It was one of the coldest and shortest conversations I've ever had. I said I would stay and I continued to work. Several months later, I was told by my current manager that she had fought hard and that she was able to keep me employed. Again, that was God's favor on my life. The next couple years was a hard transition. There was so much change that happened. It was really hard to go from working from a family-owned business where your boss actually knows you and cares about you to corporate America where you feel like you are nothing but a number. The first couple of years, it seemed like every couple of months they were laying someone off. And I already had a pecking order as to when I thought it would be my turn to be let go. Every time I thought my number would come up, someone else got let go. On a couple of occasions, someone resigned, and then no one got laid off. And then my job position was changed to working in the escrow department, and I actually closed home loans, which still kept me employed. At the beginning of 2013, there was a boom in the housing market for new construction homes, and that meant a very busy summer for our company. I also knew that our office was not staffed properly to handle the extra business, but the corporate office would not allow for extra staff to be hired at this time. As I was getting ready to take a week of vacation in May, one of my coworkers gave her notice, which surprised all of us. I was really looking forward to this vacation as I was feeling so tired and felt so burned out on the job. Upon uh, my return from vacation, I went in early that first morning to see what was on my schedule today for that day. And as I was going through my emails, I thought my computer was going to blow up. I had been copied on lots of emails that did not pertain to me. And at first I thought it was a mistake, but as I continued to read them, I could see that there must have been a plan to transfer my coworkers' files to me. Trust me, this was not a good thing to see on email when you come back from vacation. I sought out my manager to discuss this, and she then told me she wanted to transfer those clients to me. She said, you have two days before your coworker leaves, figure it out, and get yourself trained. Well, that didn't sit very well with me either. <laughs> because I really didn't want to do that job in addition to what I was currently doing. I was already so busy at work that I'd sit at my desk and quote Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And for the first time in my life, I prayed about quitting my job. I had never resigned from a job before, but I didn't feel like my heart was in this place anymore, and I was wondering if God was finally closing the door on this chapter of my work life. I battled with that prayer for two weeks before I finally felt the peace to turn in my resignation, and I left two weeks later. So, oh boy, you want to talk about the trusting process? Knowing that you made a decision to give up your income four years before you had originally planned to do that, there was still an emotional battle that was raging inside of me. I still questioned my decision to quit, wondering if it was the right time to leave the workforce, wondering who I would be without a job, I didn't feel any joy in this transition process, and most of all, I really didn't have a backup plan. 
So on the first morning of not having a job, I automatically woke up at 5.15 a.m. and I thought, what am I going to do with myself? I couldn't wait for my husband to go to work because I knew I needed a meltdown. Well, I had my meltdown, and then my plan was to bury myself with some housing projects. In reality, I was just running away from thinking about the situation. You know, and after listening to Carrie last night on her talk, I thought I probably didn't have any circles left in my coping box. <laughs> after, two, after two days of my plan, I knew that my plan was not going to work, and I needed a come to Jesus meeting. I prayed that morning seeking God with what to do and needing to repent. I was carrying some hurt feeling towards things that had happened at work. I was disappointed. I was a little fearful of what my future held, and I did not want to become bitter with the situation that I was in. God met me in such a beautiful way. I knew he changed my heart that morning and that a healing process had begun. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us to trust in the Lord with all your heart Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. It doesn't mean that those emotional feelings didn't try to come back and test me again, because they did. But in 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us to cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Some of the things that I learned during this transition process was, first of all, it is important to give thanks. First Thessalonians 5:16 to 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything gives thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Whether the situation you're going through is good or bad, whether you see the glass is half empty or half full, it's always important to find something to be thankful for. I was thankful that I had an additional seven and a half years of employment that technically I was not supposed to have had on this job. God has been so faithful in the area of finances in our lives from the first time of trusting him as we learned to pay our tithe, even when the budget didn't look like we could afford to do it, as now learning to live on only one income. I knew we would need to make financial adjustments without my salary, and we actually put God to the test. He has proved himself faithful with our finances, and on several occasions, my husband received some very unexpected bonuses. As I was reflecting back on our finances, God brought back to my mind that we had just paid off our home just five months prior to me quitting my job, and we were totally excited to be debt-free. And I also believe that God was already preparing us to live on less than what we were used to living on because my salary was adjusted several times during that transition process, and it was adjusted negatively, not positively. And I'm also thankful for a spouse that walked through this journey with me and told me he would support the decision that I made to leave the workforce. Thankful that he was there just to listen to me and that he knew when was the right time to speak and to give me advice. I've also learned how to be still. I am not a person that likes to sit around. In the past, if we were snowed in, by afternoon I would go outside just to shovel the snow, just to get out of the house. I don't really remember just staying home for an entire day with no place to go to. So now with not having a job to go to each day, I was very concerned with what I was going to do. You know, after all, you can only clean your house so often. So I continued to seek God with his plan for me at this stage in my life. He has taught me to step out and to try new things. 
Some things have worked better than others, but he has been faithful to fill me with his peace. So whether I have a full day of things to do, volunteer places to go to, or just a day of not much going on, his peace still floods my soul. God continued to confirm to me that it is not your job that defines who you are as a person. Whether you have the awesome privilege of being a stay-at-home mom or a career in the workforce, it's who you are in Christ that makes you the person you are. You can never rest if you look to find your identity in your work. You will never be satisfied as you try to climb the corporate ladder to prove that you have value to try to establish your identity. We can only rest in Christ who gives us our identity. We know that we are his child and we are loved by him. Resting in the Lord is not dependent on your external circumstances at all, but on your relationship with God himself. And finally, I learned to trust God more. His plan is always better than my plan. I am now living joyfully in that next season of my life. Sometimes it seems easier to trust God when things are going smoothly, and we find it more difficult to trust in the hard times of our lives. It is in those challenging and hard places that require us to purposely cling to God. If you are in a place where you find it difficult to trust God, spend more time getting to know him and see how your faith and trust in him will grow. I know that God can be trusted. Thank you, Janice. That was amazing. Love it. I'm going to transition over to Naomi, and she's our main speaker today, and we'll just connect the two speakers. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Are you alive this morning? Come on, are you alive this morning? Okay, thank you. I am freaking out, so you guys can help me this morning, okay? Okay? Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Teresa. Okay, so, um, and most of you guys know me. Um, my name is Naomi, and I, I'm on staff here at the church, and it's been an honor um, to be here for a year, and God has really um, blessed that transition in my life. Um, what you guys do not know about me, maybe, maybe not, is that I have lived in the U.S. by myself without family for 10 years. And so, yes. <laughs> so I, my journey um, is this girl who was like, oh, hey, Dad and Mom, can you just ship me over to a different country, and I'll be just fine. And I did not realize the capacity of the emotional and spiritual struggle that will come with being in a foreign land by yourself without your family. And so you guys hear more about my story as I, as I keep going. Um, I would say, though, when Curry emailed me, I freaked out. And if you know me, I am an exaggerator. So I was panicking. I was like, I cannot do this. I don't have time. I want to study. I was, I was just shaking, <laughs> like right now. And um, it was really cool because um, in, the, in the midst of all that, the Lord just really, really touched my heart and gave me so much grace. And he just started showing me pictures of my life. I moved here when I, in 2007, 2007, 10 years ago. And God just was so gracious. And he just said, Naomi, you are everyone who trusts the Lord. And so that just gave me a lot of comfort. And I know a lot of you are too. You guys are women of God. You guys have walked through many challenges. I know some of you have quit your job to, you know, part-time because you trust the Lord. I know someone lost their job yesterday. I know some of you went through miscarriage. I mean, there's a lot going on even amongst all of us in here. But guys, I just 
God wants to tell you today that you guys are people who trust him and he's proud of you guys. And so I am not here to give you guys new information per se, but I think God wants to encourage your heart and my heart in this moment. So I honor each one of you and I just love you and thank you for the opportunity. I also want to honor Curry, um, Miss Carrie DeReese. I respect her so much and I always honor people who trust me to do things like this. I'm, I'm so imperfect, but I love the Lord and I thank God that he... Um, Miss Carrie just gives us the opportunity to share about our lives and um, things like that. So, Miss Carrie, I thank you, and I appreciate you trusting me. So, the idea of rest is, is really cool, and yesterday was amazing. Today was amazing. I have cried all morning. It's God is working on our hearts. God is, is speaking through us, and the idea of rest is not something that we created. It's something that God created. In the book of Genesis, you guys all know, God worked six days, and he rested on the seventh day, and so... It's not, something that, it's not something that is man-made. We did not come up with the idea of rest. It's a God thing. And so I think it's very powerful to actually walk in this life, finding rest in your spirit, soul, and body. Because it's something that we get to agree with God on. And so it, it, it becomes life in itself when we partner with God and agree with the idea of rest. Um, in the aspect of spiritual rest, a huge part of attaining spiritual rest is trusting God. If you are not trusting God in your season that you're in, you are not at rest. And so that's kind of where I'm going to focus my, um, my topic on today. Also, one thing I wanted to share real quick is a year ago, I made a post on Facebook about um, a seed, actually. And I want to read what I said about it, about trust being a seed, if I can find it. So um, trust is, is kind of like a, a fruit. So what I, how I, I envision is that trust is, is fruit, is a fruit. It's not a free gift. So trusting God is not something that we just get to have as a gift from the Lord. Um, it's a fruit. So before we attain the fruit of anything, we have to plant a seed. We have to water it. We have to nurture it. We have to grow it and wait for the fruit to ripen. So there's a process of, okay, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to learn how to do this. And then at some point, we get to reap the fruit where it's actually easy because we've developed it. But sometimes, too, it's, it's more like, God, I, I don't see anything because you're waiting for the fruit to ripen, and there's nothing. And it's hard, and it's, it's challenging, and it's, and it's in those places. And so trust comes in seasons. And so just be comforted that if you're not in a place where you, you, you're not feeling like, okay, God, I fully trust you right now, part of it is because you're developing that, that, that seed inside of you, developing that thing. And so it's not fully bird yet, okay? Okay? Okay, thank you. So I'm going to start reading from Jeremiah 17, verse 7. Um, it says, Blessed is the one who trusts the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its root by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes, and its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. I'm going to read it again. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its root in the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. It leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. I love this verse. This is my life verse. Um, now, three really quick things about this verse. First of all, there is a promise for us when we trust the Lord. 
it says, blessed are you when you trust the Lord. When I looked up the definition of blessed, it means God's protection and God's favor. So this means that the act of actually even saying, okay, God, I trust you, draws God's protection to you. It draws God's favor into your life. And that's very important to know. So you are blessed when you trust the Lord. And that's so honoring to me. The second thing is that when you trust the Lord in all seasons, you will bear fruit. Your green, your leaves will always be green. Again, that is an honor, which means that no matter what you're going through, when the heat comes, when the waves comes, when the wind blows, whatever you're going through, the Lord says, when you trust in the Lord, your roots go deep. And so you don't move. You're not like the trees that just break when there's a storm, but your roots go deep. And so then you're not moved in those times of drought. Number three um, the verse highlights the reality that things will happen, okay? And so we don't live in a world where things are perfect. We do not live in a world where life goes as smoothly as we want or as perfect as we want. The reality of life is that we're not in heaven yet. We're still here on earth, and so life will get challenging. You may lose your job. You may get a divorce. You may lose your spouse. You may quit school. You may have to go through a season of having no job or quitting your job or things like that happen. Your, your children may be unsaved. You know, you'll be single, whatever that looks like. There are seasons where life will not be perfect and that is our reality. And so I never want to play this thing that, okay, we're not, we're, life is always perfect. That is not true. But God says, when the drought comes, when the warriors of life comes, we will still bear fruit. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay, so um, what is trust? And I looked up the definition. I Googled it, actually. I'm a millennial. I Google. Amen? So I Googled what trust is, and that's what I got. Trust is belief in the reality, truth, ability, or strength of. Rely on, depend on, bank on, count on, be sure of. Reliance on character, ability, and strength of someone or something. One in which our confidence is placed. So that is trust. And so before I then get into any further, one of the things that I want to talk about is the one whom we trust. And that is God. That is the foundation of trust. And when I was trying to put this thing together, it was so challenging for me because God will not let me move past the fact that the reason why we struggle or the reason why I have wrestled in my journey with the Lord is because I did not know God, even though I grew up in the church. Amen. And I think a lot of times we have this head knowledge of God. We've, got, we've grown up in the church or not, whatever the case is. But then we do not know God. And the Lord says, Naomi, we, you, and this is my own personal season right now too. God is challenging me to get to know him as God. He's really challenging me. He says, Naomi, there are deep places in your heart that you don't know me yet. And I want to go deep in those places that you don't know me yet. And I want you to get to know me. So we're going to talk about God for a little bit here. Psalm 46, Psalm 46 verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And Carissa mentioned it. Ms. Janice mentioned it too. Be still. Be still. Be still. That's one of the most um, challenging things for me to do. If you know me, I like, I'm a busy, I like to be busy. I'm always Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's go hang out. Let's, 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 let's. And then the Lord is saying, be still. Be still. Be still. And know that I am God. Be still means to properly cast down, to let hang down, to be relaxed. It's like, ah, that's being still. Okay? 
and to know that I am God. There is a reality that we all need to get into where we know God for ourselves. Not at a conference, not because you're married to a pastor, not because you work in a church, not because you're a Christian, not because of anything else. But when nobody's around you, when Carissa's not leading worship or prayer, when Miss Carrie's not preaching, when everything is gone and it's just you and God, you and Abba, do you really know God? And that's my challenge too. And that's what God is challenging me too. Do I know God? Do I know he's good? Do I know that all things work together for my good? Do I understand that he is faithful? Do I understand that he's the God who provides all my needs? Do I understand that he's omnipresent, that he's everywhere? Do I understand that he's Emmanuel, God is with me? And so then knowing who God is propels my trust. Does that make sense? Thank you. Psalm 9 verse 10 says, those who know your name will trust you, for the Lord has never forsaken those who seek you. And I'll read it again. Those who know your name will trust you, for the Lord has never forsaken those who seek you. So knowing God, again, not just a head knowledge, but knowing God in a way that leads to a transformation. So I'll give you an example. The disciples in Matthew 8, they spent so much time with Jesus. I mean, in Matthew 7, and even Matthew 8, 1 through 23, Jesus is doing all these miracles. He's healing people. He's healing the blind. He's delivering people. And then in Matthew 8, 23, there's a storm. And they freak out. So it's almost as if the encounter with Jesus, the encounter with seeing God move and seeing all these miracles did not transform them to have faith in the storm. That's a bad thing. So if in your relationship with God, if you knowing God is not causing a transformation in your life, in your storm, you have not known him yet. And I know it's a hard truth. And that's something that, again, it starts with me. And it's a hard truth. And so in the midst of our knowing God, you know, going to church, doing worship, coming to conferences and all that, in the midst of your stomach, something happens and you freak out to the extent where you're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? You need to go back and read about who God is. Read about God's love. Read about God's goodness. Bill Johnson has a book called God is Good. I think everybody should buy it. It's so good. And so we need to really understand God, God's goodness in our lives and the church and the larger body of what God is doing. A good example is Abraham. I love the story of Abraham because God took him to a different land and so I relate and all that. It's, it's pretty cool. But um, in Genesis 2, when, when God told I, Abraham to take Isaac to the mountain and sacrifice him, Abraham grabbed his stuff and he left. Now, I don't know what Abraham was thinking you know, I've heard people say he knew God would provide when he got there, da, 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 da. I don't think so. I think he just had faith. He got up and he left because he knew who God was. He had had all this journey with the Lord. He has had this, God had taken him from a different country and brought him to a different place. And God had, you know, rescued Lot and God had done all these things. And so Abraham's um, relationship with God had moved past head knowledge. It was a heart knowledge. And so when the time came for him to take Isaac, his only son, the promised son, by the way, to the altar and sacrifice, he did not waver. He grabbed his stuff and he left. And it's because Abraham knew the Lord. Abraham knew the Lord. So my challenge to everybody and to myself is that before we can even, even go into the idea of trusting God, before we can even step into that place of God, do I trust you? The question is, do you know God? Do you know God? Do you know him? You know, I, I, um, I love my dad, and a lot of you know that. And I know that if something happens to me, my dad will just drop everything and come and save me. I understand that. 
Now, if I was drowning, I don't think some of you come say because you guys don't know me. He goes, I mean, maybe, but not. The reality is that my dad will die for me because he knows me, he loves me, and I understand that. And so, again, it starts with um, that personal relationship of knowing who God is in the depths of your heart. And so I'm going to challenge you guys. That, that was one of my biggest things today is that go through this journey of knowing who God is. So when the storm comes, you're grounded, knowing that God is unchangeable no matter what we are going through. Amen. Um, A.W. Toza says, um, what comes into your mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It is so true. And I'm going to quote a few things from Bill Johnson's um, book, God is Good. He says, the more we truly understand how good God is, the easier it becomes to surrender. He said, the life of trust is to be built not on principles and theories, but upon the solid rock of God's goodness. And so again, if my, my relationship with God is based on head knowledge or based on what I see, based on what Pastor Chris does, based on what my parents have done, when the winds come, I will drown because I don't know God for myself. And so my encouragement to you guys, again, you ladies, is that I'm going to challenge everybody. And I had this thing I was going to pass out. I, I forgot it. But find time this week, next month, whenever, and find the verses about God, you know, God's goodness, Jehovah Jireh, all the attributes of God, who God is, and start praying those things over your heart and start challenging God to prove himself in those things. And that's how we build trust with God. Okay? Amen. Okay. So how can I trust God? It starts with faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, without faith, it's, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. There is nothing we can do without the, without the boundaries of faith. It's, th- it's through faith that we're saved, and it's through faith that we're going to live this life called the Christian walk. I'm going to read Hebrews um, 3. In a little bit. Hebrews 3, it's from verse 7, the, the, the subtitle says, Warning Against Unbelief. And the backstory to this was when um, God told them to go, or Joshua sent Caleb and Joshua and a few people to go check out the, the promised land to see what was going on. And everybody came and was freaking out and saying, They're like giants. It's, yes, it has milk and honey, but we cannot overcome this land, and Joshua and Caleb came back and says, yes, we can. And so in Hebrews 3 verse 7, it explains everything. But the last, the last verse in 19 says, so see that we are not, we're not unable to enter rest because of our unbelief. I'm going to read again. So see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. And so what had happened was the people who had who came back and said, oh my gosh, they're big, they're strong, we can't do this. They did not enter into the promised land because of their unbelief. And that's the same with us. We have to have faith to be able to enter into our rest. We have to have faith to be able to trust the Lord. It's, it's like stepping from, going from one point to the next. If we don't have faith, if we're, if we're struggling with unbelief, we will not enter into that place of rest and trust with the Lord. Amen? Okay. 
if we can trust God to save us and redeem us from hell, then I do believe that we can trust and have faith in him in all seasons. I mean, I think the biggest um, testimony in our lives, the biggest story of our lives is the fact that Jesus came and died for us so that we will spend eternity with him and not spend eternity in hell. I think that's the biggest testimony, the biggest healing, the biggest redemption ever. And so if God has been able to redeem your life from hell, I think he's able to redeem you from the things that we're going through on this earth. Amen. Um, Romans 4, verse 18 to 21. Who, this is Abraham, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, he believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken to him. So shall, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Amen. Amen. And so, again, and we know Abraham as a father of faith, but it didn't, it didn't just start there. We all know when Abraham went to um, whatever, whatever country he went to, and um, he told the king that Sarah was his sister. He was doubting God then. So he, he also had places in his life where he did not have faith. However, he had places in his life where God really had taken him through a journey and he had faith in God. And so Abraham became a man of faith and he trusted the Lord in all seasons. My second point about how to trust God is to come to the Lord. And you guys have, you guys heard Carissa talk about it. You guys heard Ms. Janice talk about it. But our lives, knowing who God is, is where we begin. We have faith in him. And then we have to develop a relationship with him by coming. And so the first part of it is that God does something. And Curse, I share this too. There's nothing we can do. God loves us. He cares about us. But we have a responsibility to develop that relationship with God. If you do not develop a relationship with God, you can't trust him. You can't trust him. I will not give my car to somebody I don't trust. I don't know about you guys. I will let my sister maybe borrow my car. But I will not give some of you my car because I don't know who you are. I love you, but no. <laughs> Okay, I can give my keys to Carissa because I know her or Nancy or Amber because I know them. But I, I cannot, if somebody from the streets like, hey, I really need a ride to Walmart. Can you give me my keys? I will say no because we have no relationship. Okay, same with you guys and same with all of us is that in order for us to develop a trust with the Lord, we have to develop a relationship with him. We have to come to him like what we, how, what we did last night. We came to the altar and we, and we received from the Lord. We came and we developed a relationship with God. We came and spent time with him. We came and, and connected with the Lord. And that's how trust is also developed. The last thing I want to talk about is our thought life. That, and especially as women, our thought life is probably our most destructive tool. Our minds are like waging war. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. And so develop your thought life. Develop your thought life. I think in the midst of all the craziness, in the midst of all that, learn to bring your thoughts captive to, under the obedience of Christ. Learn to say, okay, I know this is kind of crazy right now. I know things are going wrong right now, but I'm going to still my mind. And allow my mind to just capture what God is doing. Allow my mind to rest on the promises of God. Allow my, allow my mind to be still and know that God can do this. Isaiah 26 verse 3 said, You keep in perfect peace those whose minds are, are steadfast because they trust you. So we have to kind of get to a place where our minds are set, is steadfast. 
it's steadfast, it's strong, it's, it's, it's secure in the Lord. When we're, where we're not constantly thinking about the things that we're missing out on or we're not constantly thinking about the crazy political world or we're not constantly caught up by the Facebook post or the Instagram post or all, all those things. We need to develop our thought life so it's strong and confident and secure. Amen. Okay, what does trust look like? And Carissa mentions this too. For me, trust looks like, what trust looks like for me is praising God and praying through the constant chaos of life. Trusting means I'm praying. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. So prayer and praise. And I have a story. Um, last year, I was, um, I was waiting on my, I got hired on staff in January, and we had to go through immigration for me to get approved to be able to work on staff, and it was quite the journey, let me tell you. <laughs> Pastor Mark can tell you too. And it was, it was such a hard process. And I, I mean, every day, it, it was a nine-month-long process. That was what happened. And it was hard and it was painful and we kept getting rejected or refuted or we need to bring more paperwork or we need to do this, we need to do that. And at some point, I, started, I began to just doubt, God, did you really call me here? Because, I, I mean, I was like, this is not working. It's not going how it was supposed to be planned. I'm getting broke. And so one of the prayer warriors, Nene, she says, Naomi, you need to stop and stop praising God. And, I mean, and you guys know this too. When you're going through something, it is so hard to open your mouth and say, God, I thank you. It's like, it is hard. It really is. And I, I, I got to a place where I was, <laughs> I was in my, my car is my best friend. He knows all my secrets. And <laughs> seriously, if my, if my car had a recorder, you guys would be like, whoa, Neil, this is your life. I'm not perfect. Trust me. And that was, I had to sit in my car and I, the song, you are good, good. That song, oh, you're never going to let, anyway. So the song is playing and I, I can't even sing the song, Okay. And I put my hand on my heart, and I was just singing the song, God, you're good. And I'm just weeping because it is so hard. It's like, okay, I, I, you, I don't see the goodness of the Lord right now, but I know you're good. I know how that's going to turn out, but I'm going to sing it anyway. And I just broke down because, and as I began to sing it, my heart, and you guys, one, one of the things I'm learning to do more and more is to sing over my heart because I think that's where the issues, the issues of our heart reside. And so I laid my hands on my heart, and I started singing the goodness of the Lord, and my heart began to just tenderize. It was pretty cool. And my heart, and I was weeping, and, and to singing about the goodness of the Lord, and just, I, my heart became softer and lighter, and before, you know, I was singing, and I was, you know, enjoying who God was, and just praising Him, and thanking the Lord, and just being in this place of, okay, God, things do not look like what I thought it was quite going to be, but God, you're good. You know, God, you're good. God, you're faithful. God, you're, 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 you're perfect in all of your ways. And that's the song we sing a lot that I think we have no clue what we're singing. What's the song? Um, 
You are perfect in all of your ways. You know, good, good father. And we sing these songs with no transformational truth in our, in our hearts. And I think we need to start telling the Lord, God, I want to sing a song that I believe in and not just sing it just to sing it. And so I just began to really, really praise God. And it's really funny because the last straw to all this was that we got a call from our lawyer, Pastor Mark and I. And she said, sorry, Naomi, it's going to be next year, which was 2017. You're not going to get it to like March 2017. And I was like, you know what? This is not going to happen. And I just took some African CD. Man, Africans, we can dance. I took my African CD. I just broke out in some praise. And African was just like, I, I, am not, I was not playing by then. I was like, devil, you and I, let's go. I, it was, I just was like, I, I was just done, you know? And I just began to sing and to dance before the Lord. And I'm going to cry. Damn it. And that, she called us on Thursday. Monday, we got a call, and they said they had to approve my visa. And, <laughs> yeah. and it was such, I mean, it was one of those things where I was like, I'm super emotional this week, so just overlook all that. It was one of those things in my life where I just realized the power of praise. Truly, it's, and again, I think, we think we know God, but it's like, unless you put yourself in a place where you actually encountering God, you don't know God. And so I remember just coming out of that, and I mean, every, we were all shocked because they told us it was going to be 2017, and Trump had gone elected, and so the immigration was just chaotic. And you guys all know that. <laughs> and so there was a lot going on in the moment. It was November, you know, elections, immigration. There was so much going on. And I am so thankful for people who encouraged me to praise God in those moments. Nene and my mom and, you know, all these prayer women who says, Naomi, you can't succumb to the pressure of that. You got to step out of it and stop praising the Lord. And that was my breakthrough. Okay. Um, and also pray. I mean, I think, and I'm not saying it because I work for the prayer and care ministry. <laughs> I'm not promoting my job. <laughs> but we have prayer meetings every day, three times a day. So come and pray. <laughs> Um, no, but I, I grew up in a culture and so, and not to say America's different, but I grew up in a culture where we prayed a lot, you know, after any guys know this, Africans love to pray. And that's how I, I, I encountered God too. In those moments of seeing my mom, my, when I was maybe five years old, my sister had a, like a sore in her leg, wasn't going away, hospital visits, whatever, whatever. And then one night my mom just like anointed her legs and prayed all night long the next morning was all gone and so this is the kind of culture i grew up in so i've been challenged to really really learn how to pray so god again allow allow your spirit man to, to control your flesh so allow your control your flesh to succumb to the spirit to the authority of the spirit your spirit man so let your flesh submit to your spirit man and say, God, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to pray. I'm going to praise until I see my breakthrough. And then you can enter into your rest. The second point is have an eternal perspective. And this I actually read in our journal, the devotion we have this year. It's really good. Um, have an eternal perspective. A lot of times when we're going through something, we lose sight of the bigger picture. And when I say a bigger picture, it's not even about you. I mean, I wish it was, but it's not. 
the bigger picture is God is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. That is God's picture. And so I think, again, when I was going through all that and even more, I'll tell you more stories as I go on. But we forget that the promise of the Lord is that he's coming back for a bride that is spotless and without wrinkles. And so in the midst of, of what I'm going through or what you're going through, or all the pain and the suffering and all that, the Lord is, 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 is challenging us and he's saying, Naomi, be still with me. Go through the pain with me. Go through the struggles with me because I want you to come out spotless and wrinkleless so that I can come back for you as a bride. Amen? And it's good to be. I'm glad my visa came through. But if it didn't come through, guess what? I will still praise the Lord. Because it's not about the visa. It, that's, that's not the issue. The issue is that God wants to challenge my heart. God wants to grow me. God wants to um, allow me to be that bride. And I'm contending for that too. So have an eternal perspective. God is coming back for you and I. He's coming back for a bride that is spotless and without wrinkles. And that means that we have to go through the furnace fire and burn some things off of us. Amen? And so I, and I, I don't want to minimize what you guys are going through because, I mean, going through a miscarriage is not easy at all. It is not. It's painful. And I know my, some of my friends have, and it's not easy. Losing a job is not easy. So I don't want to minimize that. But in the midst of that, you know, sit in your car and say, God, I know you have an eternal perspective. And wrestle with God in those things because it's not about us. This, is, this life is like a womb. We're just passing through. We're not going to be here forever. I wish, you know, I wish it was like okay, I was going to live on earth and do Twitter and Facebook all the rest of my life. It will be fun, but that's not what we are here for. You know, we're just passing through like the Israelites. just pass through the wilderness into the promised land. We're passing through a season into our promised land. And so don't get too comfortable here on earth thinking that everything has to be resolved here on earth, thinking that everything has to be good here on earth, thinking that all the things that I dreamed of will come, will come true here on earth. Some of the things that God has promised will happen. Actually, all of it will happen. But the reality is that it's not here that we're settling for. It's a greater kingdom. It's a greater kingdom. It's a greater purpose, man. And again, when I'm going through something, it's hard for me to think, God, you're good and you're working all things for your glory. Because I want my visa to come through. I want to be married and have my kids. I want to have all these things for myself. But it's not about me. And it's not about us. It's about God and what he's building, what he's doing. Amen. A couple of months ago, I was going through um, a very interesting season of my life, and I went to see um, uh, the Collect Theophastic Prayer, and it's, it's, what it does is that you sit, you talk about what you're kind of going through, and then they, they process you through this thing where they'll ask you, what is God speaking to you? It's pretty cool at Christ Community Church. And so I went through that, and, you know, I was kind of just sharing, you know, some of the things of my heart. And the lady was like, close your eyes, and what is God speaking to you? And I closed my eyes, and the Lord kept saying, come up higher, Naomi. Come up higher, Naomi. Come up higher. And again, I think sometimes when something is happening in the moment, we get stuck on the earthly perspective. And the Lord is saying, no, don't stay there. Come up higher and see what I'm doing up here. Say your mind's on things above and not things below. And I don't know why this theme keeps coming up, but I think... We do get comfortable here on earth. And I think sometimes God needs to make us uncomfortable because it's not about the earthly perspective. It's about the heavenly perspective. It's about souls that need to be saved. It's about the fact that God is coming back again for a bride. Amen? Okay, I'm going to move on. <laughs> um, my second point is to come into agreement um, 
come into agreement with what God has said about you through your words and through a change in lifestyle. And I'm going to start with your words. So come to God in agreement through your words. Now, when I talk about coming into agreement with what God is saying or coming into agreement with what's going on, I'm not asking you to deny your reality. So I think a lot of times, you know, the Bible says, let the weak say I'm strong, let the poor say I'm rich, and things like that. And I think sometimes how we take it is as, okay, if, if I'm going through something, I don't have to um, admit the fact that I'm going through something. And I don't think that's completely true because in Psalm 23, David says, Yet though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. David did not deny the reality of him being in the valley, but he actually acknowledged a greater reality of Jesus. Okay? So when I, when I talk about I just want you to hear me out because there's a lot of struggle with this. But when you come into agreement with what God has said, has said about you, do not deny your reality either. Sit in the pain of it, but then acknowledge a greater reality of who God is in the moment, okay? Okay. However, what I'm trying to lay down here is that God also says death and life is in the power of the tongue. So God has given us our mouth, and I'm one of those people who I get in trouble all the time because of things I say. So I understand that scripture very, very well. <laughs> very, very well. Um... God says death and life is in the power of the tongue. And now, in trusting God, we have to come into agreement with God by what we say. And I'll give you an example. One of my friends is pregnant right now. And in their first, their first baby, when, before they, their first child was born, they couldn't have kids. And so they had to go through medical procedures to be pregnant. But now she's pregnant again. And she was telling me her story about how when she wanted to get pregnant again the second time, she began to speak over her ovaries. And maybe it's weird for you, but she just said, God, I speak life over my ovaries. You know, you will produce, you will, whatever she said to her ovaries. I don't know. And, um, and that's how she got pregnant again. And I know this is weird, but sometimes, sometimes we need to speak life over the, the things that we're going through. Sometimes we need to just stop and say, God, I declare life over my, my life. I declare life and peace over my heart. I declare, God, you have said... I will da-da-da-da-da. God, I speak life into that. Because the Bible says all of God's promises are yes and amen, which means that whatever God has said over us, it's already done. We have to partner with God by speaking some things to existence that has not happened yet so we can see things happen. Amen? And the story of Elijah, when, you know, God said it was going to rain, and what Elijah did was he went down his knees, and he prayed and interceded until rain came. So some of us need to just Come into agreement with God and say, God, all your promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, which means it's already done. But God, I'm going to start speaking life and agreeing with you into what you have spoken. It's a lifestyle we need to develop and speak life. But I think sometimes we say things like, I will never da-da-da-da-da. I will never do this. Like we just use our words so carelessly and we're speaking death into things that God has promised over our lives. It needs to end. It needs to end. Especially, okay, I am not political, but I cannot stand politics on Facebook because some of the things we say about our presence as Christians, it's disheartening. We're all living in this America together. If Trump falls, we're all going down. So if I were you, I'll stop praying for Trump. <laughs> Amen? And I think our, we forget how powerful our words is, and we use it so much against the promises of God. And then you wonder why things are not going well. Yeah, our mouths 
There's life and death. We carry the very life of God on our lips. Speak life over your heart. Speak life over your nation. Speak life over the things going on here on earth. Use your words to build truth. Use your words to encourage your friends. Man, use your words to change the atmosphere. God has given us that gift. So I'm challenging you guys. Trusting God is saying, okay, I'm going to agree with what you've called America too. Trusting God means I'm going to agree to what you told me about my marriage and my kids and my singleness and so on. Whatever that looks like. The second part to this is coming into agreement with what God has said by changing your lifestyle. By changing your lifestyle. A couple of years ago, I think it was in 2012, um, God spoke financial peace over my heart. And I was one of those people who I, I never knew how to use money. I didn't grow up really learning how to use money. And so I was kind of always broke. And God spoke financial peace over me. And I said, oh, my gosh, it's going to be quite entertaining. <laughs> True story. <laughs> I said that out loud. I'm super honest with God. It's, it's fun. Um, and so God actually told me to start giving. And again, <laughs> I, I laughed. I was like, okay, let's see how this goes. And it, again, it was hard in the moment. But the promise was, okay, Naomi, you're going to have financial peace. I had to change my lifestyle to be able to start walking in that promise. Amen? I had to learn how to give. I had to learn how to tithe. I had to learn how to save. I took financial peace. Future husband, you're welcome. <laughs> Amen. And I had to change my lifestyle to fit that promise because if I did not do that, I will not be, be able to enter into that promise that God has given to me. And I think sometimes, too, what happens is that God gives us a promise and we're waiting on the promise, but we're not doing anything to change our lifestyle. So nothing is going to happen. <laughs> This morning, I got an email at 6 o'clock, and one of the ladies I met says I lost my job. And she's taking the initiative to ask, to, to reach out. We're going to pray for her. We're going to help her find a job. And God is going to break through in her life. She's not sitting and saying, okay, God, drop it on my lap. It does not work that way. She's working at it. The coping circles. You know, Miss Carrie has taught us how to use, our, uh, you know, how to write down coping circles and then how to allow God to transform our minds through coming to the Lord. You're looking for rest. Change your lifestyle. Change some things about you. Change in such a way that you can actually partner with God to fulfill what he has spoken. Because that's trust. It's saying, God, I know what you said is true, so I'm going to start doing some things to walk into it. And for my younger folks, I see you guys out there. I know most of you are not married and you're single, so I'm going to say this to you guys. If you want to be married and all you do is bash the men, you will not get married. Amen? <laughs> yes. You better stop praying for the men in this church. <laughs> you speak life over them. You start changing your lifestyle to be godly woman, and then the promise will come. Amen? Amen. Thank you. 
And God is good. And if you say, I'm, I've been single. I'm 29 now. I've been single for a long time. So I know the journey is very challenging. It's hard and all that. But God is faithful in all that. He provides. He, he, um, he, he, he helps you in that wrestling with him and waiting for that promise. And so I want to encourage you, too, that God is faithful. But make sure that your lifestyle is, is partnering with God to bring that man into your life. Okay? One more example with changing your lifestyle. I went to visit my friend, I think, last weekend. I'm not going to say who she is. Um, and she's expecting a baby. I mean, she's wanting to have to be pregnant. They're praying about it. And one of the things they did was they moved into a two-bedroom apartment first. So, yeah, they're making room for the baby. In Isaiah, God says to the barren woman, enlarge your tent, which means make room for what God has spoken over you. And so they've made room for God to have that baby, and they bought baby shoes. I thought it was the cutest thing ever, <laughs> you know? And so this is faith. It's God, I trust you. You told me I have a baby. I'm going to make that extra room for the baby. I'm going to buy baby shoes. And in that moment, faith is being, you know, released into the atmosphere. The change in lifestyle is releasing faith and trust in God to accomplish what God has spoken. My next point. What does trust look like? Trust is all about submission, obedience, surrender. And that's all one. And I couldn't figure out which one to use. So obedience, submission, surrender, however you when I wear that. So the story I'm going to share here is in 2010, I graduated from Drake University um, with a biology degree. I was going to go to school to become a medical doctor. And I'm here now. It's great. <laughs> it's actually a lot better. Amen. And I'll share that too. And that's one of my biggest trust journey with the Lord was my parents actually really sent me here to the United States to pursue medical school. And they paid for all of my school. Yeah. And in my junior year of um, college, I was praying to the Lord. And the Lord says, I have not called you to go to medical school. I've called you to ministry. And I was like, um. And I remember making that phone call to my parents. Now, mind you, this was junior year. So that's three years into school. $80,000 later. Yeah. Cash for my parents. <laughs> I had to make that phone call. And I remember, again, this is something that the Lord just was like, Naomi, if you surrender this to me, I will work through it. And I had to really say, God, I'm, gonna be, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to tell my parents, and we'll see how this goes. <laughs> so I made that phone call back to Africa, and I told my parents, and my dad and mom were on the phone, and I said, God has not called me to medical school. God has called me to ministry. Dr. Ola can testify of how my parents reacted. <laughs> Okay, so the first reaction was not pretty. I mean, African parents and going to medical school, it's like a, it's a big deal. Huge deal. Huge deal. And again, it took a while for my mom and dad to come around to it. But for me personally, and that was one of the ways that I've learned to trust the Lord, is that being able to surrender that process and the mindset and everything about it to, my, to God and saying, God, as I surrender, as I let go, as I release this thing, I know that, God, you will come through somehow. So same thing. In 20, so in 2010, I graduated from Drake, and God was like, you go into Omaha to pursue counseling and ministry. And I was like, no, I'm not. I loved, and I loved Drake. And the reason why Drake was so dear to my heart was because that's where I got saved. And so I had a great community. And if you know me, you know I talk about my community back there a lot. We had a great community. And 
that's where God really started teaching me about his love and community and all that. And so I, sh- I was like, nope, we're not going to Omaha. I, I came here to visit school and God tidings. And I was like, mm, God, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not feeling it, God. That's my word. God, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> Seriously. No, it's not there. Again, it was hard. But how everything worked out was I was driving back from Omaha to Des Moines, and I said, God, let your will be done. And just that quiet release of my heart to the Lord, I mean, God's faithfulness after that was amazing. So moving to Omaha, what happened was that I've been to school, I think it was a three-year degree in counseling and a two-year degree in um, ministry, and I didn't pay for it. God paid it all. Yes. I'm going to run through this because I talk too much. Two more points real quick. Patience in the waiting. Patience in the waiting. Patience in the waiting. I can't even stress the fact that when we're going through something, trusting God means, God, I will wait for you. I will wait on you. I will be steadfast. I will be faithful. Patience. It, and it's a hard thing. I'm one of those people who I, D, I DVR something, and so I fast forward. Like I watch HGTV or like Hallmark movies or whatever. And so when I DVR it, I actually fast forward the whole thing, and I want to see the last part of it. Because <laughs> I'm like, I can't, I was like, I don't want to sit away through the whole process, and Joanna, or jo- whatever her name is, is going to have to decorate and paint, and I'm like, I'm not going to watch all that. It's too much work. I'm going to fast forward it and see the last beautiful house. <laughs> so that's, that's me. And so, again, living here, God has really taught me kind of like the idea of waiting and being patient in the waiting which means that I'm not going to rush and produce an, uh, an Ishmael. I'm not going to try and fix it. I'm not going to try and make myself happy. I'm not going to try and find ways to whatever. It's like, no, God, I'm going to be patient in the waiting. I'm going to go through this quickly because my time is up. Three quick things that kind of shows that you're, mis- you're in mistrust, you're not trusting God. Three things that shows that you're not trusting God. Offense, comparison, emotional disturbance. Emotional disturbance is fear, anxiety, frustration, bitterness. Like when your heart is kind of like that feeling. You know what I mean. It's like you're, you, you're so unsettled in your spirit, man. Offense is a big one. Quickly, in the book of John, um, the story of John is, you know, he was expecting the Messiah. Jesus came and John went to prison. And then John got offended because the Messiah did not come and save. He was offended. And then Jesus says, blessed are you and offended by me. Go tell John what you see. The lame is walking, the blind is seen, da 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 You guys know the story. So do not be offended. But again, look above and see what God is doing in ways that we don't see here on earth. Can I trust God long term? Yes, you can. And I have notes on that, but I know my time is up. So we can do questions and maybe through that we can answer some questions and maybe fill in the blanks. So, um, Amen. Does anyone have any cards to turn in with questions? Anyone raise them up? She's going to just keep talking. Here's one back yeah, here. Questions. What, Naomi, what are some, um, maybe three or four Bible verses, maybe some of the references of the ones you shared that I can start adding into my life so I can learn how to trust in the moment? Um, the very... I'm going to read a few. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you, 
but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape also, so that you'll be able to endure it. And, you know, somebody told me that it's a cliche to say that, you know, God will make a way with it. I, you know, we get angry when people quote these verses when going through something. But it, it's, the, it's the promise of the Lord. He will not give you something that you cannot bear. He will not give you something more than you can bear. Whatever that happens in your life, God always has a solution and a plan to get you out of it. So ask him what it is. Can you list just a couple of re- more references okay. for us? People can jot them down. Sure. Isaiah 43, verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the, river, and through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. Amen? That's a promise. Revelation 2.10, do, do not fear for what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is, is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful until death and I'll give you the crown of life. Romans 5 verse 3-5, and not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings perseverance and per- perseverance proves character and proving character develops hope amen that's romans 5 verse 3 to 5 and then james 1 verse 2 to 4 says consider it all joy my brethren when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance has have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing Janice, will you come join Naomi and answer this question? Um, When I'm still, I fall asleep. Or when I'm still, my mind is racing about all the things I need to do. Help. Sleep. (laughs) That's easy for you to say when you're 29 and don't have children running around and whatever. Well, I have that problem too, so I don't know if I have the right answer or not, but... Sometimes when things are really on my mind and I can't seem to clear them out of my mind, uh, it helps me sometimes to write things down. Like if I feel like I've got a list of things I want to do and I want to, I'm already someplace and I haven't even been there yet. And I find that as a way that that helps me just in the natural to become a little bit more still. But as I'm praying and things come across my mind, you know, I just, I stop for a second and then I just have to go back into praying and seeking God. And I just try to make that break, you know, from what's bombarding me at that minute and then go back in into seeking God. Good. Either one of you. I find it hard to know God's answers when I pray about my struggles. How do I discern between my desires and God's plan for me? Um... There's nothing that God hasn't spoken to you already that is not in the Bible or that it cannot be confirmed. And so that's why I start with. So say the question again, sorry. Okay. How, how do I discern between my desires and God's plan for me? Yeah. So it begins with the fact that whatever God um, is going to speak in the moment, it's not going to be contrary to what is in the Bible or what is against who God is. And so if your desires, if you read in the Bible, if you're whatever, and you're, you feel like your desires don't match up with what God is saying, or your desires doesn't match up with the Bible, it's not from the Lord. 
And I think a lot of times, too, when God speaks truth over you, it produces supernatural peace. And that's something I cannot explain in the natural. I can't explain God anyway. But the reality is that when God speaks truth over you, the peace that surpasses all understanding comes over you. And so that's a good way to discern if it's God or if it's your mind. I think our minds is chaotic enough that when God speaks something, there is breakthrough in peace. So practically speaking, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're both good things. Maybe I have two different jobs to consider. Maybe I think I need to move to Texas. Maybe I, whatever it could be, fill in the blank. How do I discern my will versus his? The scripture that comes to me is delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I think that the more that you consider, continue to seek God, that he's going to tell you, whether it's his plan or you're going to be able to see that it's really you trying to work out a plan yourself. I agree with Naomi, too, that peace that comes. And she spoke earlier about that sitting and letting it plop in your lap, not, not good. You know, sometimes we have to start making the effort and walking forward. And, God, I'm submitted to you. I'm just going to keep walking forward because it seems like this is the direction you want me to go. And if it's not, make that very clear. And write down, you know, pros and cons to where you're going. If, if it's a job, for example, write down your pros for each one and your cons. Like, okay, God, that's what it looks like if I move. If you move into a city, would you find a church? Would you find a community? Like, be practical about it. What does this look like for me? If you moving, it's going to cause you to walk away because you're not going to find a church in your community. Don't go. Because your, your spiritual life is more important to God. And so write down the pros and cons of the issue and see, okay, me doing this, what does this look like? Positive, negative. Doing the other one, what does it look like? Positive, negative, and then go from there. I'm going to say something, too, in response to one of the cards. Naomi uh, and Janice both shared some of the hard things they've lived through, and, um, and actually they did share some of the good things that have come of it. I don't know if there's any other story you can think of right now that was a hard thing you lived through, but the good you see on the other side. You do. I know you do. Well, I've had a couple hard things in my life. <laughs> um, went through a very challenging marriage situation. Uh, when I got married, neither my husband and I were really walking with the Lord, and we battled about nine and a half years without Christ in our life. And then when Christ did come into our lives, and my husband's life changed dramatically, um, our whole marriage situation changed. And um, how did you, what was the good that came from it? Oh gosh, the good that's come out of our marriage. My husband, first of all, is a, a chaplain. He's walking with the Lord today. He became head of our household. His lifestyle changed completely. He uh, is a person that walks his talk. So he's the same at home as he is when he's out in the world. The uh, example he has set before myself and my kids, I, I uh, think so often that if he hadn't changed and found a relationship with Christ, I don't know if I ever would have changed and had that relationship with Christ myself. Mm -hmm. And that was having Christ in your life and in your marriage and for your kids. I mean, there's, there's no greater thing than to have that in your life. Amen. And you had the opportunity to walk and give up on that and forget this and whatever, but instead the fighting through is, and that trusting and learning how to, once you found God, learning how to trust and fight through 
then you begin to see those promises coming true. But sometimes we got to be willing to fight for a really long time, a really long time. I will say I'm walking in my current, I'm still walking in the current state of trusting God in my singleness. And if you're single, you know. And everybody who's single still wants to have sex. Is that correct? Is that correct? Say it again. What'd you say? Everybody who's single still has the desire to have sex. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. Thank you. And so, if you don't, I know a doctor who can help, who can figure it out for you. Because <laughs> there's nothing wrong with you. Dr. Ola is here. There we go. Um, but I think it, it, the reality is that you're fighting for your purity because there's a, there's a tension between, okay, this is what God says about purity and, you know, you have to stay whatever, pure, before we get married. And then there's a world that's telling you, you can do whatever you want. And I think we all know what we can, I mean, and I, I, Melissa Mankis and I talk about this all the time. We know what we can do to get our, our desires met. I'm not clueless. I'm 29. However, the reality is that, God, I'm going to stay with you and I'm going to trust you in this season. And so, yes, the promise is not fully fulfilled yet, but the tension is, God, I'm going to trust you and, and know that, God, you fulfilled the desires of my heart in, in ways that I, I don't see, but still walking in that, in that place. I'm going to circle back to something Naomi said in the beginning of, um, what? Oh, um, well, if one of the questions is, you know, what if the, you know, what if, um, what if the storm that I'm in ends up disastrous? How do I keep trusting? And that can be a hard one because it's real easy to stand up here on the other side of it. Um, and, there's that point where it's a choice. It comes down to a choice, and we have to settle. Do we believe that God is the God that he said he is? Do we believe that his word is true? And sometimes we're willing to believe that he saved us, but we forget that he is willing to be involved with every moment of our lives on this earth, and we have to make a choice. And sometimes that choice is really hard, and a lot of times we need somebody else to remind us the choice that we're making and um, I've said that even sometimes in my small group, like it's settled. God is God, but I'm sure that there's going to be something coming up again. It's been a little easy right now. Something's going to come where you and my small group are going to have to remind me. Remember, God is who he said he is. God is who he said he is. And we're going to, you know, the story in the Bible, we're going to hold your arms up. We're going to help you fight this fight. And that's where, funny, I did not plan to say this, I swear to you, but as the small group's director, you need community. You need to be with other like-minded people so that when those storms come, we can remind each other who that God is and help grow our faith and grow our trust. Sitting here listening to Naomi's story, listening to some of Janice's story, and being refreshed and reminded in my own situation that I have going on, I'm reminded and challenged, and I needed that today. It's like my own little mini small group I had from here to here, and like the rest of you weren't even in the room. Like, that is why we need to be in community with people. I went and found, because I remembered what it looked like, what Naomi um, referenced. She, made, she, she found this calendar. Uh, it's so cool. It's 30 days of praying the names and attributes of God. So, like, March 1st, God is Jehovah, uh, gives you scripture. March 2nd, God is Jehovah Kadesh. March 3rd, God is infinite. March 4th, God is omnipotent. And you can go through, and then this lovely nifty device we have called Google, if you don't understand what infinite means or you don't know what omnipotent means, you can say, hey, Siri. She might be able to hear me. Hey, Siri, define omnipotent. And have five minutes with the Lord just learning what omnipotent means. And you even got away with using Siri in your quiet time. It's amazing how that works. So 
These are right here. I don't know if we have enough for everybody, but we can make more copies if we need to. If you want one, come grab one. It's 11.58. We need to dismiss and go get your lunch and enjoy that time, and we'll meet back in here. No, I'm sorry. We'll go to another workshop at 12.45. So decide which workshop you want to go to and be there at 12.45. Thanks, ladies, so much. God bless you. Hold on. I'm going to keep, keep an original for her.